0: Hi, and welcome to episode three of Article 23, the podcast where we talk about making work work. Sonia Kitsik here again in the hosting chair, and I'm joined by Rhonda Brighton-Hall. Hello. Great to be here. Hey, Rhonda, we had a really great response again last week. We did.
1: We did. And
0: it's a little bit encouraging, but we're trying not to let it go to our heads. Oh, man, it's completely gone to my head. <laughs> and frankly- I have not noticed that. <laughs> I have got a bone to pick with Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Why have you not called us back? Yet. Yet. yet I love the yet. optimism. That's great. Look, you'll have noticed today we're missing our third amigo, um, James Hancock. Um, James is enjoying a couple of very well-deserved weeks of rest in the sun. And a few bintangs. A few hundred bintangs. <laughs> no judgment. Hug one for me. Um, look, we are going to miss James today, um, but I also feel like we have a chance to run amok a
1: little bit here. We do. We get to talk about a topic that you and I are a little bit obsessed with about how work's designed. And I know that's something that he sort of balks at. Well, let's have fun while um, the
0: teacher's away. Um, but before <laughs> we jump into that, um, our big topic for today we're going to explore is something that you keep asking us about. And we're going to tell you how to avoid working with, I'm just going to say it, how to avoid working with assholes.
1: <laughs> yes. That is a, a game changer for a team or a business you got five people in your team, you let a bad person in, they literally destroy it. Not just the business, but also work for the other five people. So it's a really important one to get right. And if you're on the flip side, your career is such a big part of
0: your life. So if you're choosing to work for or with assholes, that's going to be pretty detrimental. Yes. Yes. Absolutely true. So before we jump into that, let's talk Deliveroo and the gig economy. Um, but before we jump into the narrative around that... Rhonda what are the
1: facts facts I love the facts because the gig economy keeps being presented to us as this tsunami that's coming at us Um, or utopia, one or the other. And it's probably neither, but most importantly, I think the numbers are where we should start looking. Uh, Bank West Curtin Economic Centre Future of Work Report, 2018, probably the best future of work data we've got in the country today, um, is si- sitting that gig economy, depending on where you put the data from, to one5 to 3.5%. There's unsubstantiated people saying it's 65 but the bottom line is we are nowhere near... Either the States, which is close on 10, and the UK, which is close on nearly 18 now, wow. just over 17 and a half. So that So we're not having it come as a tsunami. It's actually a much smaller part of our economy than we like to think. But the good chance with that is
0: before it becomes overwhelming, we've got an opportunity to design it in a way that works in our context and works for people. Yeah,
1: and start to look at it in a really practical way. It, it is neither the worst thing in the world or the best thing in the world. And it isn't always trendy tech guys who are... Bouncing from gig to gig with joy, it could also be a vulnerable person who can't get work any other way.
0: That is the other side of the narrative that I just love. You know that that idea that free the shackles and be this like rich person that does really cool jobs all the time. Yeah. But there's actually that you know if you're a vulnerable person, it's free the shackles of a stable income and being able to pay your mortgage every month, which is probably <laughs> not as rent. fun. a exactly rent right. exactly. Yeah. So. Against this backdrop, what we're really excited about is that, you know, companies like Deliveroo, who are on-demand meal service, are coming out actively and saying, hey, we need a new way around this. So they've recognized the employee model model. And the contractor model, which are kind of sitting as well-established legal practices, do not cover this group of gig people. Um, And there's been recent cases, especially a big one you would have seen with Fedora, um, that has kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons around how these people are, are classified. And there's this
1: awesome proactive call out, like, let's design a new way forward for Australia. Hmm. Absolutely true, and I think the optimism that you've got in that is because you understand this area so deeply, and I love the idea that we could rethink work, but we need people like you, and maybe the people at Deliveroo if there's others, I'm sure there are, (laughs) um, are coming up with ways that the gig economy or a version of the gig economy could work much, much better for Australia than the current sort of, it has to be the way everybody else is doing it. And to not be, to kind of, this is a chance to lean in and not be lazy.
0: Um, We don't want to just copy the UK. There's a whole lot of great practice around the world and a whole lot of stuff that hasn't worked that we can actually learn from. So this is the time to grip it up. Yep, agree. Cool. Well, I feel like we've just gotten away with a small crime there by being allowed to talk about...
1: James is reaching for another ting to recover. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about how to avoid working with, I'm going to call them jerks. Yeah, it's
0: nicer. <laughs> I think my mother listens to the podcast. So Hi, Wilma. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Rhonda, how do you avoid working with jerks? If you're a leader, what should you be doing? It's three things that you need to know absolutely to avoid this because this is where it really comes unstuck. So the first one is the person you're bringing in, can they get stuff done? Okay, super yep. important. Nobody wants to work with someone who can't get stuff done. Second thing is... Can they work with other people, really lean in and help other people? And the third thing is, are they open to growth and moving forward, changing, uh, getting feedback? Awesome, let's go deeper. So first question, the achievement question, what are we asking? I like this way of putting it. So saying to someone, what's the thing that you're most proud of achieving at work in the last 12 months? It's a really, everybody's done something in the last 12 months that they have done. And so people can usually answer that question fairly easily. But as a person assisting for the answer, what you're looking for is: have they delivered anything? That's a good start. Pretty cool. <laughs> That's a good start. Do they credit other people with them? Are they solo, or are they sort of saying oh, I was in a great team and I had support from this? So There's a sort of acknowledgement that they're part of something bigger than themselves Um, and was it something that actually mattered they might say something like I did this it was really important to that customer it was really important to that part of the business or really important to a colleague and and when you see someone describing their work in that sense for others you start to get someone who's actually going to achieve something worthwhile I love that I also like it from a
0: you know what people feel really proud of good work they've done Mm. and if you give people a chance to show the best themselves they'll step up and reach that plate so second question what are we
1: asking uh, I think the second question the best way to ask it is and this is I really like this question is can you tell me of a time you've really leaned in and helped someone that no one knew about until right now Ooh. and so what you're doing there is first of all watching the response because if a person's one of those people they just you know every time I do something I have to let everyone know put myself out there and explain how wonderful the I night. the white knight like the white night, you yes. rescue some failing colleague yeah that sort of mentality as opposed to understanding that give and take at work is really common it's getting behind someone give them a hand you're watching the response so they're generous they do things without glory do they let other people fail do they have to have people know about it or can they just do things because it's the right thing to do
0: that kind of fits in nicely to the work we do around being a decent human i yes, think
1: it does it's the generous one absolutely so third question it's growth very yeah. very important if you've got someone who sort of knows it all done it all just sits there that's not great so I always ask this question, can you tell me about the toughest, really valuable feedback you've had lately, like not when you were 10, but like lately, uh, where did it come from and how are you going back doing something with it? And that way you're looking at, are they open to feedback? Are they open to digging deep? Are they lifelong learning, growing? Are they seeking out feedback from other people around them? And if they're struggling to answer it, it might just be, they're not thinking that way. Just give them another version of it, which is like, What's the hardest thing you've learnt lately? But either way, you want to hear from them that they're open to learning. Can I just have a bit of a tip for the other side here for candidates?
0: If somebody asks you about something tough or tough feedback, don't give people the answer you think they want to hear, like, oh, my tough feedback is I'm too quick or I'm too efficient or I'm too perfectionist. (laughs) That's just people can read through that. You've got to be real and vulnerable, and um, that's just the best tip because people can see absolutely straight through it. Yeah, they can. So I love these, super simple and clear. And having sat through probably about four or five million interviews in my career, actually probably just this year alone. Slight <laughs> overstatement. Look, these questions are it really telling job. It does. <laughs> so we are obsessed though with an even playing field when we talk about work and relationships. So let's look at the candidate perspective. You're about to join a new
1: company, a new boss. What should you be asking? I, I think this is super, super important, and you've got to get the questions right because you don't have the power when you're sitting as a candidate. But you do have a lot more power than you think you have, Absolutely. so still a really important part of the conversation. So the first question is about development and career. So phrasing up something like this, I'm really keen to learn and build a great job here, a great career here. Um, can you tell me about the sort of people who do really well here? And what you're looking for there is, are they people like you and are they gonna back them? And then if they say, yeah, yeah, we've got these two people who were really good at that, you say, where are they now and what are they doing and how did their career go from here? And what you want to see in the boss that's in front of you is they can back people, coach people, and get them into a better space while they work on their watch. You want to know that people thrive on this person's leadership. And if they can't think of anybody that thrives, then you don't want to be the person that dies there too. Get your bag and run out of that interview. Don't even look back. Just keep moving. (laughs) That's right. So the second question, probably this is a little bit trickier. It is a tricky one. And we, we... I have this debate all the time, because so many people get told don't talk about money. And talking about money at Christmas dinner is not the thing to do, but <laughs> talking about money in a job interview is probably important, and particularly if you're going in at that more junior level. So. Frame it up respectfully, and I like framing it up like this. Um, I've read so much lately about people not being paid fairly or correctly. How do you make sure in this organization, which I think is a great one, how do you make sure that people are being paid correctly? Now, a good leader and a good organization should be able to answer that really clearly. We run with this award, we run above that award, we run with this market rate, and this is how we give you a pay increase over time. And they should be able to talk about that fairly confidently. And if they can't, then you probably owe it to get a better boss for yourself. Absolutely. And the third question. Will they support you? So this is a person like you need people who will get on with all sorts of different people, including you. So that's a really important Especially you. Especially (laughs) you. And so there's nothing as long as a day with a boss that doesn't have your back. So, But ask it lightly. So what sort of people do you really like working with? That's a really open question. And they'll give you some descriptions of the people. And they'll say things like, oh, I love people who work really hard from 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. This is a long day. If that's what you want to do with your life right at the moment in your career, go for it. But if it's not, maybe they're not for you. And see if there's anything else. What other people do you like working with? Oh, I like working with people who work really hard. I like working with people who have fun. Whatever it is, they're describing people. Make sure they're describing someone that you feel you could be because you don't want to be on a watch with someone that you just don't get on with at all. I could not agree
0: more. So what are the top three, top three things we're telling candidates to go in and ask? We're ask, asking Pers- career and development. Yep. Second, money? Money, fair treatment. Third? Support you. Love it. We'll put all those on our website so you can actually touch back with them so you've got your cheat sheet. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in today and we are looking so forward for for you joining us next week when we're going to talk about what
1: it means to be doing a job that you may not love. Yeah, because a lot of jobs are like that. And a lot of us have that sort of job we don't love at a moment in our lives. And so, again, it's a next-generation question. We've been asked it by a lot of people, and they've said, can you please address this question, how do I still like myself when I'm doing a job that I don't love? That is going to be a very big conversation,
0: so definitely tune in. Um, Just a quick note, if you are new to Article 23 and you want to listen to our mounting back catalogue of really big conversations... (laughs) Rhonda's laughing. The three is a back catalogue, I'm going to confidently say. Um, You can check out our previous episodes on SoundCloud and Spotify. And be a gem while you're there. Um, Like us, follow us, and share the podcast with maybe a friend or two or ten or your whole cohort. Yeah, I would love that. (laughs) That is a big moi from us.
1: And a big moi from me too. Thanks for having us. See you later. Bye.